0: I had some mild revelations about that. <laughs> hey
1: everyone, it's Ben Juan again at Superhouse, and I'm here with Andrew for the next deep dive into the Batman movies. Holy smokes, Batman.
0: I'm finally ready to fucking talk about the last 90s Batman. Oh, no.
1: So we put our Batman love to the test by watching <laughs> what is considered to be the worst Batman movie of all time. So the big question is, Was it? Is it as bad as everyone else says it is?
0: Okay. So Man. So let's
1: get this off, all the way off, off the bat. What's the answer? You
0: that? go first. you I think you okay. should go first. All right, all right cool.
1: Um. Is it the worst of live-action movies? In my opinion, yes, it is. But... <laughs> is it a terrible movie? No. That's that's the way I would differentiate. Is it the weakest out of them? Yes, but I wouldn't say it makes it a terrible movie whatsoever. That doesn't mean that the characterization is some sort of bastardization, bastardization of these characters. There's no, quote-unquote, raping of the childhoods, as people on the internet <laughs> like to say on it. It's just a very... Like, my memories of this movie are very ambivalent compared to all the previous Batman movies that we've talked about earlier here. I have fond memories of Batman 89, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, Batman Master of the Phantasm. We get to Batman and Robin, I'm just like, I vaguely remember the merchandise and seeing it in the theater and that's about it. Like this is the one that I have the least amount of emotional connection to out of any Batman movie, Batman live action movie at least whatsoever.
0: Yeah, like I've said in the other uh, podcasts, um, this is the first one when I walked out of the movie as a kid. And when I re- I remember as a kid, I liked almost every movie I saw. Mm-hmm. I walk out of Batman, which I love obviously loved Batman as a kid, and I was like, I don't know how much I like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I never saw it again. And and the whole nipple thing and all that, you know, kind of like left a bad impression in my mind. Mm-hmm. But something has happened in the past fucking twenty years. Where there's something in our collective unconscious that... uh, And it's affected me, too, where there is more acceptance towards Adam West shit. Yeah. And that's affected me. I have the Adam West acceptance lens on watching this movie. (laughs) I guess Schumacher had this ever since day one. Yeah. Because there's a lot of this movie that is fun as hell, man. I mean, it's silly as fuck. Yeah. But there's... Something to like about that, I mean, if you accept Adam West, but not this movie, it's you just gotta ask yourself why. Yeah. Because it's almost the same thing. The only thing is, and we'll get into this deeper, <laughs> it just drags in the middle so much.
1: It uh yeah. Like there's a different I still feel a difference between the two movies, but I think here's my theory on what you just brought up, because like Batman and Robin was just not accepted. It crossed the internet, it was like hate the most hated movie of all time, yeah. really. Yeah. It was absolutely the most hated, and I think a lot of it is when you are growing up a comic book nerd in the 80s and 90s, is not generally accepted. So you want to be accepted, and you want to have the representation of it to be the best foot forward. When the representation of it is this comedy that uh, feels lame to a lot of people, then you feel associated with that, and you wish that it repre- was represented better. You wish that it was represented the quote-unquote dark and serious. That's why this obsession with dark dark and gritty came about. Yeah, because yeah. Because people wanted these comic book fans, such as myself, wanted to be taken seriously from the people who looked down on it as kiddie shit because movies like this came out and people thought, oh, this is all corny comic book crap and right, everything right. and that, that doesn't require much thinking and we just use it to sell toys. They hadn't really thought about putting depth to it. And so the reason why there's been a shift, I think, more recently is because We've got a shit ton of different Batman interpretations. So much more superhero culture than we did before. That the idea of multiple takes on Batman is now more accepted. The idea of accepting right. Batman '66 is now more accepted because comic books are now more mainstream. Comic book movies are more mainstream. Like Batman has gone from being something where kids on the playground make fun of you with da 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 and all that, you know, with a '60s show and saying he's a lame hero and all that, <laughs> to now like everybody loves like the. The various versions of it, whether it was a cartoon or the Nolan movies or whatever, and love some sort of superhero movie, whether it's the Avengers or uh, the latest, um, uh, the latest uh, Deadpool or any of those types of things. So I think it's, right. it's, it's, it's that shift came about because of the change, the very much the change in superhero movie culture.
0: Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like, I, I feel like we were searching for that definitive version at that time. Plus the nineties were just so, inherently dark anyway i yeah. mean in 97 we were two years away the matrix is probably already in almost in production you know like right like we were in that mood for the 90s and fight club was probably about to be i don't know i just it's just like now it feels like there there's so much more acceptance towards this kind of thing than there used to be um man we were just not ready yeah. for this movie and 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 i feel like if it were released today i think people would kind of get it more you know like yeah I don't know what it is. I think
1: people wanted a Batman Begins before they even knew they wanted a Batman Begins. Yeah. And so they came into this movie wanting a Batman Begins, and they got this, and that's why they were pissed off. It's it's, it's a subversion of expectations that is the problem here, where people come in and they, they want another Batman 89. They want another Tim Burton-type Batman, uh, and they got this, and instead of say, saying, like, hey, this is just a different take, it was instead... Uh, you know, fuck this movie. Batman's <laughs> supposed to be dark. It's a bastardization, of Batman, which of the character it's not at all. We'll go into more to that later, right? Uh, but it it's it's be- it comes from this uh insecurity that I think every comic book nerd has towards uh not being taken seriously for liking comic books. That's my opinion in terms. Of I why, see what you're saying. Why Batman and yeah. Robin, yeah. is so reviled from 1997 until maybe the last few years.
0: It was like, we're we're growing up with comics. They're growing up with us. We yeah. had the Dark Knight and all that shit in the comics, like Dark Knight Returns or whatever, like mm-hmm. Arkham Asylum and all that, and then it's it felt like they were regressing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. we put that hate out onto Joel Schumacher and company and everything, which, you know, there is a featurette on the DVD, and it's on YouTube, too, if you guys want to see it, but... Joel Schumacher flat out says, you know, if you went into Batman and Robin and felt like you were disappointed, I apologize. Okay. I don't think... Joel Schumacher has nothing to apologize for. Yeah? In my opinion. You think so? I don't think so. I don't think he does. That's nice. That's nice. Because of the fact that this is exactly like... When he was brought on for Batman Forever... Uh, not a lot of people want to be a part of it because of the Batman Returns reputation yeah suddenly Batman Forever becomes this hit that nobody knew was going to be a hit yeah and they wanted him to come up with this, a sequel as soon as possible and they wanted to yeah. sell as many toys as possible he gave them exactly what they wanted and he yeah. did in exactly the way that he wanted to do it and as I said before the actual representation of the characters if you compare to the comics is not that much of a, it's not a bastardization at all it's relatively faithful yeah. to those elements yeah. it's just done in a jokey tone
0: you can tell Schumacher really loves that version of Batman but the thing yeah. is he does love it though it is something that he actually enjoys Schumacher loves Batman yeah like,
1: you can't you can't tell me after comparing after especially if you've been listening to our episodes that like Schumacher didn't add anything to the Batman theatrical representation of this he covered ground that Burton didn't and, right, right. you know, as we're finding out, as we appreciate more and more, there's certain character things that were just not around in right. the Burton movies that are here in both Batman Forever and now Batman Robin after doing right. another closer look at this. Right. So let's uh, let's dive in here. Usually we like to go character by character. Let's do it. On this. So first off, I figure we might as well get this out of the way. Let's talk about Bane real quick. <laughs> Okay, we're going to end
0: on Batman then, I take it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Bane. Well, Bane is ridiculous. He's in this movie. <laughs> he, he is in the movie. Uh, y- dude, well, he wears a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He's in a gorilla suit. He takes off the gorilla mask to reveal the Bane mask.
0: Honestly, dude, okay, it's obviously the most change probably from source material because he's so much sillier.
1: Like the he's, mo- he's the supposed most... to have some intelligence, okay, okay, right? Yeah, in terms of okay, it's the bastardization. If there's any bastardization going on, it's of Bane's uh, personality and character, yes. right? So he's because he's basically a henchman. He's a, he's
0: poison ivy's henchman in this yeah. movie, which is wild. But the thing is, there's actually so much visual comedy from him wearing a fucking yeah. s- all the it suits he wears and of, shit.
1: Like, yes, they could have replaced him with a plant. Because I told Andrew, I was like, it didn't have to be Bane. They could have replaced him with a plant henchman. But as I kept watching it, I was like. It just wouldn't have the same effect on us. I I don't think it it's wouldn't so be, as silly. It it's would so be as funny. It would not be as funny because you don't expect. I think it's because we know the comics and we know Bane. To see Bane painted in that light makes it even more hilarious than if it was just some random henchman.
0: Exactly, and I think to Schumacher's credit, like we grew up, and especially in our early teens, thinking that was a wrong representation of Bane, mm-hmm. which it is. But you can see, I see now as an adult that he was like he uses it for, it's like, it, it's the same comedic effect that Adam West had, where, right. well, not in the case of Bane, but you have like, how do I say this? On one level, it's it's badass, or it's an action movie, but for adults, they're seeing a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. They're seeing a comedy. Yeah. Like, uh, Bill Dozier, Batman, Adam West, Batman, it, it, it functioned on those two levels simultaneously. Right. And I think, I feel a little bit of that with Bane and some of the other things. Not just mm. the crazy set pieces, but this <laughs> right. this this whole like dual play where a kid will see one thing and an adult will see another. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah, I can see that too. I do think that uh, we sort of overlook the fact that there are certain Bane elements in this that didn't necessarily get carried over into the Dark Knight Rises, whether it's the mask uh, or the Venom element. Now, obviously... It's done it in a more over-the-top way. You know, I prefer a Bane who doesn't have green skin <laughs> uh-huh. on it. Right, right, right. But I get it in terms of, like, the, they were tying in ba- Bane's origin with Poison Ivy. I think it's ironic when we talk to The Bachelors that they're just like, yeah, we weren't going to put Bane in our movie because he was too new of a villain. Right. Only right, for right. Bane to show up in this one.
0: You know, Joss Whedon said some commentary about Dark Knight Rises saying that he thought adding Bane to that was not great because in Joss Whedon's eyes, you should always go classic.
1: Uh, with Batman,
0: which I think is like I don't know, man. How classic do you want? Not
1: necessarily. I mean, I I I don't agree with that. I think Nolan had the right idea. We can argue, you know, about execution. We'll revisit that movie when we get to that that yeah. episode. But uh, I I I thought it was an appropriate choice because you wanted to go just as big, but also different. You couldn't go from Joker to like Firefly in that instance. Uh-huh. You had yeah. to go to somebody who would be a challenge for Batman in some kind of way, and I think. The idea of Bane being the follow-up definitely definitely worked out. Okay. On that, uh, let's see. The other other things is that like, yes, Bane is grunting a lot. He (sighs) a pet peeve of mine whenever I see a Bane representation is that like when you undo the tube of the Venom, suddenly he just turns into a scrawny, weak dude and he's easily beatable. And that's in like so many of the cartoons. But if you look at the original comic, John Paul Valley slices the Venom tube. Okay. And that's like a quarter of the way into his fight with Bane. Okay, and Bane still is like close to kicking his ass. So like, okay. the venom isn't like the source of his power. That said, it's kind of ironic to me that uh, so many representation, like so many people, shit on this version of Bane, yet have copied the like animalistic grunting Bane who's only really powered by venom, and then you slice the venom tube, and suddenly he's like all weak again, which is basically this version of Bane. Right. So. Right. Kind of interesting to like look at that from that light and see right. that he he, he doesn't re- he's not that much different from other versions.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like he's such a strong dude, but then he has his weakness just right out on Front Street, you know, like I don't know. True. That true. tube is like so easily found, man.
1: Yeah, but I mean I'm that's why I always point to the original comic when that tube is sliced off. That is just like, all right, whatever. I already got my hit. Like, it's a steroid that he takes a hit out of. It's not constantly flowing. Oh, uh, right, right, right. He's right, not right. constantly getting hit out of it. It's, it. It'd be as if he's always taking heroin and the needle just keeps keeps moving further and further into his right, vein right, 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 for right. hours and hours. It's just not realistic. Right. So, uh, that's Bane, everybody. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on to the other villains in this movie. Uh, Poison Ivy.
0: Um. Okay.
1: What do you think of Poison Ivy in this?
0: Um. God. You know, I was in seventh grade when this came out. It's easy for me because in '97 I was in seventh grade, '98 mm-hmm. eighth grade. Yeah. So I always remember that easily. But seems like I should have remembered her more, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like watching it now, you know, she's obviously great to see on screen. I'll let me help just you grab your rocks. <laughs> let me say it. Let me say it as gingerly as possible, but um. God, man, yeah. So visually stunning, I think. I like the costume designs. Actually, they're pretty good. Um, her sprouting out of the fucking ground is hilarious. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of stupider than the other things in the movie, but, you know, I don't know. It's just silly. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, didn't, I said this off the air, but let me say it here. The main thing I remember from a kid thinking was, how many times is she going to blow that fucking pheromone <laughs> I in people's know. <laughs> faces? There's that one scene near the end, three quarters of the way through, where she's blowing it like in the same everybody's face at least twice. Yeah.
1: In this, yeah. I'm like, how long is this? Is it like two seconds for it to yeah. last? In which case, why is Dick Grayson still obsessed with her when he goes yeah. to Wayne Manor? 45-year-old
0: like, Chris O'Donnell has <laughs> got like a constant four-day boner. <laughs> you know, should call Viagra or whatever, like it's it's ridiculous man yeah it's it doesn't make any sense uh it's I don't know dude I know everybody's bodies are different maybe they explain it like that but still it's like I felt like it's just way overused mm-hmm. and it's I don't know that part was kind of annoying <laughs> and uh I mean her arc to say anything deeper. It's like basically non-existent. You got Nora free at, at least for free so there's something there. She just wants to take over the animal planet and turn it to a yeah. plant planet which is it seems like they want to hint at something sort of it's so stupid but they're trying to hint at something deep yeah, whenever know, she yeah. has the fucking uh, ape costume on and she's taking it off to <laughs> for her first reveal as a plant lady which Maybe they were thinking that I don't know, but it just comes off as so ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, "Why is she in a gorilla outfit? Like, why does why is this her entrance into this?" Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: She could have been, uh, you know, swinging in on a vine or something plant like, something like
1: that, or just like the the spotlight goes on her as she walks in, like any something a lot simpler than making a fucking gorilla outfit. Though it is hilarious when Bane shows up in the gorilla outfit, takes off the gorilla mask. (laughs) And his, his fucking stupid head shows up. Oh,
0: my God, dude. I actually kind of like that part. That was hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. It, it's, it, it's funnier
1: yeah. than the actual thing of her being in there. Yes, so, yes. I think uh, Uma Thurman, yeah, you're right in terms of she looks great. I think she would look more seductive without the stupid, like, at one point she had, like, the two buns hairstyle, and, like, that looks dumb.
0: The two buns
1: is a bit the much, eye- but I got to
0: say I like the eyebrow things, though. I, I'm not a big fan. You don't of like them? I don't know. Oh, fan okay.
1: I think it's too much, but, like, that's siege own. Uh <laughs> She can I don't seduce require them, she, She'll reduce... She'll seduce you of those. It's not a plus. It's not a minus, me. I mean, for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh need a little bit more pheromone juice I, I, for you, huh? Uma Thurman... Yeah. Uma Thurman uh, is just going full out Julie Newmar, yep. like Kit in this performance. And even from when she plays Pamela Eisley uh, beforehand. Yeah, like, yeah. she's she knows exactly what movie. She's kind of the... Um, In a way, she's kind of the Jim Carrey of this movie. Like, they both knew exactly what type of movie they were in and milked it for all it was worth. For Jim Carrey, it was a little more expected. With Uma Thurman, uh, she's basically dialing up uh, Mia Wallace. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. Like, to, to to the max on this.
0: Who's Mia Wallace again? From Pulp Fiction.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. I forget, but, but the, wait, I forget we, the names, we, man. We called, we called Samuel Jackson Marcellus Wallace last time. That was Ving Rhames. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> he, he was sorry, doable. guys. The corrections department. <laughs> Forgive us, please. Obviously, we're not as into uh, Tarantino movies as much as we're into Batman movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a, I like Tarantino, but... <laughs> Me too. Anyway, another story. Still. Uh, oh, man. But, uh, uh, yeah. Poison uh, Ivy... Uh, to be honest, she's not my favorite Batman villain. I always kind of found her more one-note. She's kind of just like what if like Greenpeace was like over the top.
0: There's no thing? like kind of deep thing about her, huh?
1: Not really. I mean, maybe there's you could say about like temptation and stuff, but you could say that about Catwoman for That's in terms of Batman's thing. character, yeah. She's
0: Maybe you could say this. She's Catwoman but instead of being gray area, slightly leaning towards good, mm-hmm. she's way more towards the bad side like basically all villain right so yeah. at least there's you could if you see the dnd map of you know lawful good chaotic good whatever the fuck right. like sh- 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 i don't know there are different categories but yeah it'd be interesting to see if there's like some deep thing to say about it or maybe they could comic book wise is what i'm saying yeah maybe they could write her as like uh like you know like make her an actual like girl that that he's dating and uh i don't know something to do with like how bruce is, how bruce dates
1: bruce's maybe, love life uh yeah maybe i hadn't thought about, about that i was more thinking of how like i'm waiting for a better explanation in terms of why she prefers plants over people cuz i'm like that's something right. very one note comic booky about that to me i wish there was something about it uh, I think plants can, are
0: predictable, maybe or uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like there's,
1: there's some. There's something. That's why I've never really connected to the character that much. She's basically there as like a sex symbol type thing, temptation thing for Batman and Robin, for this movie and throughout the comics, and that's pretty much it. And she's oh, spitball Spitballing
0: this now, yeah. coming off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but her the whole sexual side, yeah. sexual nature. uh, that could be like the carnal side and it's almost like an antithesis to her plant side. I don't know. Like, There's some sort of thematic Maybe. thing you could weave here.
1: I'd like to, to relate some way to Batman or Bruce Wayne. I, I just had an uh, interesting idea just now. What could be an interesting Poison Ivy story is what if um, she gained control of the League of Assassins. Because remember, Ra's al Ghul was all about let's destroy the earth and replant it uh, and everything. So what if he was like well, screw you, Bruce Wayne. I got a new heir, Pamela Isley. Oh, she shit. actually is going to, like, do this type of stuff. And wh- how would she be like if she had the whole army at her disposal, was controlling Talia and things like that, maybe tying the Lazarus pit? With- I-, I don't know. I'm just spitballing myself over right, here. Right, right,
0: but- right. I like doing this, though. When we talked about the Riddler yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a previous episode, I forget which one, but I think that was a really great conversation we had about Riddler's arrogance and ego and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It really shed a lot of light on that character. Um, I wish anyway, we could the same
1: with Poison Ivy, but honestly, I, I don't have much.
0: The listener, if you're out there, please let us know what uh, great Poison Ivy stories there are. Maybe you know and we don't.
1: I mean, I grew up with Hothouse. Um, I barely remember much about it. I remember it being a more, quote unquote, realistic one, like Poison... Ivy's mainly in the Pamela Isley guys, but Batman still okay. knows she's Poison Ivy. So it's a little bit more on the realistic side. Also, the scene of Poison Ivy taking the flower and going, he loves me, he loves me not, uh-huh. is right out of Hothouse. That's the ending of that. She's an artist. Is that like a that.
0: full-on trade, or I'm actually not familiar with that
1: one. Uh, it's a, it's like a three-arc story or a one-issue story. I'll have to look. I'm pretty sure it's on DC Universe. This is like uh, I should in re- the read 90s it, or 2000s? Yeah, definitely, because it's one of the first comics I owned, actually. Oh, interesting. I owned a comic that was basically a collection of Legends of the Dark Knight, and it had uh, a story called Blades, which had him against the Cavalier. And I was like, this is kind of weird. He's up against a guy with a sword. Uh, but it tied it to uh, Batman's past with Zorro, so that was kind of cool. Oh, wow. Uh, there was another Batmite story, but it was like a modern-day version of Batmite where Batmite like, turns homicidal, and he's like some sort of demon thing, so like that was weird. And I then, have never
0: read a Batmite comic, <laughs> yeah, dude.
1: The last one was this poison ivy one and i remember gravitating towards that because that was the only fucking character i knew about at the time i'm just like i don't right. know who this cavalier or this batmite guy is but i know poison ivy because of the cartoon and because of the movie so i remember reading it as a kid i should reread it again uh considering that connection and because i don't know i'd like she's a character who's yeah she's a popular batman villain but she's not one of my favorites simply because i don't really have anything to connect with her on a uh just a Motivation or character depth level. It seems like
0: there, somebody needs to Alan Moore their this shit. You know what I mean? They need to have add that some depth where depth never was before. I'll write the killing
1: pedal or something <laughs> like that. <laughs>
0: there's, so, dude. You know, like Swamp Thing was kind of bullshit before he took over. Like, right. Yeah. You know, like there's something. There's something for
1: everybody. Yeah, you know, true. you just
0: got to unlock that character.
1: True. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the other villain of the show, who I know is one of your favorites.
0: I don't know why it is, dude. Mr. Freezing Hell, Batman. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you, I fucking love those fucking polar bear slippers, man.
1: <laughs> Sing. <laughs>
0: it's like that scene, especially cements. Yeah. That what what kind of movie this is? Like this is a
1: fucking comedy. Like this is no, so ridiculous. You can't tell me that they intended to go s- serious and it turned into a comedy. Like it went in with all its intentions being like this.
0: It is really funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it really works in that way. Um, I don't... You want me to just go over... Yeah, go go ahead. Okay. I don't really love the suit, and I wish the glasses turned red. Same. It's just overdone. Like, all Mm -hmm. the design, except for, I think, the best design suit in this movie, and we'll get to it later more in depth, but is Robin's suit, his first suit. Mm, Yeah. I think that's the most solid suit in the whole fucking movie. But... Like just like the Batmobile and Mister Freeze's suit in this, everything is
1: garish, w- over the top,
0: way yeah. overdone. I know things are supposed to be overdone, but the thing is, it's like it's like the Transformers in Michael Bay's movies. Like it's like, dude, less is more, man. Seriously, you're designing the fuck out of this. Like take a page from the fucking um cartoons book, dude. Like that's what people want anyway. Like it's just like. I don't know, maybe because of Arnold, he wanted like a fucking Terminator-looking suit or something. It, uh, or, I don't know, overly robotic-looking. Right. Just don't like it. Okay, uh, aside from design-wise, uh, the, the the subplot with Nora, I like that. Okay, I mean, they definitely were stealing from the movie, uh, the, the, the cartoon left. Hard of Ice, yeah. Hard of Ice left and right, which is a good thing to steal from. Really, yeah. Could have had more of that. And actually, a lot of that plot, especially it being connected with um, Alfred's subplot too, more or less works, man.
1: Yeah. more or less works. I kind of wish that this was just, you kept the, we go into Batman and Alfred scenes later, but if they kept that subplot, but then was basically Heart of Ice for the rest of this. Yeah. In a feature form. Like, imagine how that could have gone. Right. And you kept the tone of those Alfred scenes, but with a different type of Mr. Freeze. Uh, And everything. Mr. Freeze, uh, obviously in this one, he's very punny (laughs) on the ice stuff. Uh, Every single line much. And Arnold's clearly having fun with that. But Arnold's best moments are when he's not actually doing any of that. Arnold's best moments are actually when he says nothing.
0: He's actually kind of okay in the and whenever he's he can actually emote at this point he'd been acting since the mid 80s. Yeah,
1: no, he's actually amazing in just the facial expressions when he's just when it comes to him and his wife. Yeah, yeah. He, it's, it's great and then he kind of just gets ruined when he's doing just stuff like, you know, I hate when people talk during the movie <laughs> things
0: like that. I mean, that's it's just that's just part of this whole ridiculous movie, yeah, though, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like, but I, I mean
1: they, they did adapt Heart of Ice pretty well in terms of the story of that and like the ending is kind of underrated when it comes to Free- the end of Freeze's arc.
0: Yeah, I yeah. don't think
1: nobody talks about this. Is the fact that like Batman actually helps with helps Freeze become Victor Freeze again?
0: Exactly. Yeah, he he uh, rehabilitates a villain, right? In a way. I mean, not in even a and way. He never, does.
1: Yeah, and we never saw that, and we haven't even seen it in really any of the movies since, unless you count Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, but not really because she wasn't that big of a villain. Right? Like she right. wanted to destroy Gotham with an ice cannon.
0: That whole that arc right there that really does work well. I was actually surprised watching that. I forgot there was like any substance at all of this movie, and there actually in those scenes there there is. And when we get to the Alfred scenes too, it's yeah. it's like holy shit,
1: man. Yeah, it. There are certain parts of this movie. The best scenes in this movie are the ones that feel like they're from a completely different movie. Yeah. Well, yes. They come from a completely different. The last one was like that too, wasn't it? Yeah, that too, but to even more of an extent. This one, in my opinion. Um, real quick, uh, one little tidbit is uh, it's ambiguous whether or not this is true, but uh, many people say that Mister Freeze, when in the first drafts, was written for Patrick Stewart.
0: Holy shit! Uh,
1: that would have been incredible. Joel Schumacher says it's a wonderful idea, but no one ever suggested him. However, another storyboard artist says something differently. He said that he remembered, uh, "quote unquote," all the dialogue was for Mister Freeze. You could tell it was meant for somebody who could deliver it in a Shakespearean fashion.
0: All those puns, though, or did they changed the puns no, he, whenever he said Schwarzenegger. In an was earlier was script, he said. Uh, earlier script, okay. he talked
1: more like a Shakespearean type actor.
0: Well, if they were going of off fucking um, uh, Heart of Ice, yeah. then that would make sense. Like I could totally see Patrick Stewart saying, uh, "You know, where a warm hand waits, waits for, for mine." mine. God damn, I fucking love that episode. Engage, yeah, engage. <laughs> um, Hello, Michael Kane.
1: Yeah, because yeah, I remember, I remember when I was just watching. This was way back. Entertainment Tonight. It was one of the <laughs> things I was watching with my parents, and um, it was. Uh, they said coming up, rumors from the new Batman movie will have Patrick Stewart as Mister Freeze and Demi Moore as Poison Ivy, and I was like who the fuck are Mr. Freeze and Poise and Ivy? But, like, I knew who Patrick Stewart was because have watched Star Trek. Yeah, I, I specifically so this have this was memory. being this was considered, the It was in the news as a rumor. Like, it, it well, was definitely on TV. It was floated around. It was floated, it was floated around before yeah, yeah. they announced it was Arnold. So for a while, I thought the sequel to Batman Forever was going to be followed up with that guy, that bald captain dude from Star Trek The Next Generation right. that was on my TV set on CBS every week. I think, I think.
0: <clears throat> you know, ultimately Patrick Freed. Stewart dobs a bullet.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. if... I'm saying he would have been great in a different version of Mr. Freeze. I'm yes, saying in our fan In our he fantasy movie of a movie where Alfred's dying and the cure is related to Mr. Freeze and Nora and the movie can be a full-length adaptation of Heart of Ice, then yes, Patrick Stewart's perfect for that. The punny, you know, I, I just... It's hilarious to imagine Patrick Stewart announcing uh, <laughs> all the... Uh, Freezing a dude and saying "The Ice Man cometh." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. So kick some ice. <laughs> Let's kick some ice. Oh my god. Um, yeah, the lines would have changed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop retro co if you go to retro ko.com you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies if you wanted to get that sega saturn hidden gem from back in the day or if you wanted to get the famicom disk system that you never got as a kid or any other type of retro game that you were into or uh, import game please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-K-O.com. And if you use the superhouse code Johnson's ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European, Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check them out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Super House discount.
1: Julia Julia Roberts was also rumored for poison ivy, but Schumacher you totally can see that. Schumacher claims that uh, that was never he, she was never on his radar for this role. He always wanted Thurman after seeing a photo shoot uh, in Vanity Fair of her by Annie Leibovitz. Uh, I've no, I didn't see the specific pictures, but I'm betting there were like some plants or something like that. And Schumacher, really, I'm betting I, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm judging from how Leibovitz does the foot, you know, photography, yeah. and the fact that Schumacher had poison ivy on his mind, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd have to track down that specific photo shoot. But yeah, Mr. Freeze in this movie uh, is kind of underrated. Yes, it is. Arnold going over the top. Uh... Poor Arnold, with a lit-up mouth, is trying to fight uh, battery acid leaking into his mouth, actually.
0: Yeah, it looks like that. Yeah, it's No, it, it's, it's true. It, it did. They tried oh, to Oh, really? They
1: lit. They, for, they put something in his mouth to light him up. They put lights or something, but because his saliva would interfere with the battery, the battery started leaking. So it leaked literal, literal acid into his mouth. Oh, my God. And so they had to stop takes and everything, and, and it was... I'm like, why do you need his mouth to fucking light up anyway? Yeah, that's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, it's like Arnold would
0: have died from the stupidest fucking thing ever.
1: That uh, could you imagine if that happened? Yeah. Like, on the set of Batman and Robin, and then like it's a Heath Ledger situation where you're just like we must see his last movie, and this was his last movie. Yeah, exactly. This is what he fucking At died least he, for. He's been out on a fucking bang, dude. <laughs> so okay. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But uh yeah, I mean Arnold's having the time of his life, but I can't help but wonder. Again, alternate universe. Maybe there was a, a fourth Batman with Patrick Stewart during the Heart of Ice thing, and maybe the fifth Batman is Arnold as Bane during Nightfall.
0: How do you feel about the suit? Let's talk. I, I said what I thought.
1: Oh, I agree with you completely. Yeah, yeah. I think simplicity is is what you, what you go with. Because really, it's just you just need to do in a fishbowl helmet, <laughs> in, pretty much. Yeah. In uh, in a refrigerated suit that doesn't have like it's all. This is the most complicated Mr. Freeze suit ever. Every other it's version you see in the comic is just—it's it, very simple. The one in the, um, the one in the animated series is very simple. Uh, the one in the first appearance—I'm going to show Andrew now. It's probably like a parka-looking thing or something. Isn't it? I mean, it still has the fishbowl. Looks like Captain Cold. something. yeah, but he—he he looks Captain Cole with so a fishbowl on his head. It's literally look. He's like got oh, green. Yeah. Tights. I like this suit. This is cool. He's got green tights yeah. and, and just a fishbowl over his head, and that's it.
0: And he's got gray hair. Uh, I think. Also with um Arnold's accent it actually could work with a, like a German doctor kind of thing right. you know like even that works it's like there's so many things on different levels that could work here it's just
1: in the 60s show yeah. uh Mr. Freeze okay so here's some background on Mr. Freeze he was originally in the comics called Mr. Zero because mm-hmm. uh, of sub zero he was just a scientist who i guess was an idiot and there was like some accident when he was trying to create his freeze gun and that's why he it's had into refrigeration into it was a scientific accident yeah In the uh, TV show, they decided to call him Mister Freeze. I don't know why, why, but it's a better name anyway. It is a better name, in my opinion. I'm like, why didn't they just go all the way and call him Doctor Freeze because he's a fucking doctor? But whatever. He didn't go through. That's true. He didn't go through all those years of medical school just to be called Mister Freeze. Thank you very much. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, his real name back then was called Doctor. I might mispronounce it. Doctor Shrivel or Shivel, as in you know, shiver. Mm -hmm. but a little bit more subtle than just his name just being sounding like freeze even though it spelled like fries Uh, and there were three actors who played him it was George Sanders uh, who was the voice of like Shere Khan and the old Jungle Book and stuff like that Uh, Eli Wallach and Otto Priminger now what they all had in common I think I'm pretty sure George Sanders had it Otto Priminger naturally had it I don't know if Eli Wallach did it but they had the German accent
0: see it works I mean he's Austrian but still German yeah yeah
1: yeah they had some sort of German accent so the idea of Dr. Freeze uh-huh, uh, having some sort of Eastern European accent is like it stems from the 60s show. So, again, this is another evidence of more evidence of the Dozier uh, 60s show having its influence on this.
0: Gotcha. So, he wasn't necessarily German in the comic before Dozier.
1: He, he wasn't. There was no indication of that in, in the comic. And yeah, right, obviously, right. with the popularity of the 60s show. Uh, They adopted the Mr. Freeze name, and at one point, Batman comments on the fact, like, he's calling himself Mr. Freeze now, and Robin says, that sounds like the name from out of a campy TV show, Batman. (laughs) 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 I laughed when I saw that panel, but yeah. Oh, my God. All right, let's go into uh, the heroes. So, um, we got a new one. Just like in Batman Forever, there was a random, not so random, but it was an introduction to a new civilian living in Wayne Manor who really likes motorcycles and ends up getting a suit made by Alfred by the end of the third act in order in, just in time to rescue the heroes by the end. We have Exactly Yeah. <laughs> we have Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, aka Barbara Wilson, so that's an interesting change. So it's it did feel like they changed it from Barbara Gordon to Barbara being Alfred's niece because Alfred was a bigger part of these movies. It, yeah, it, it works better, honestly, than if, they, yeah. if they're if they just like, Gordon's like, here's my daughter. I'm like, we barely know anything about you,
0: Gordon. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, in this particular case, it does make sense. It's a decent change, but yeah. it's just because the setup itself wasn't that strong, but it's also, this whole thing is a mess, the whole four <laughs> movies. Total mess. Yeah,
1: with, with Gordon. But yeah, with, with Batgirl, she's kind of thrown in there. She's kind of underdeveloped. Lisa Silverstone isn't that great. Yeah in it but like she's not really given that great of material anyway i was kind of surprised by some of the oracle foreshadowing right in this yeah. she's in glasses in front of the computer she turns out to be i didn't remember at all the most surprising thing about rewatching this i didn't remember it was her using her computer skills to thaw out gotham city at the end
0: yeah so she does shit you know like she mm-hmm. she she does her, her computer skills there yeah and she fights poison ivy one-on-one and she, her also she gets she has the fucking um Batarang, get grappling hook, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, for for forty five year old Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> at the end as well. So like in her limited role, she actually is accomplishing. She, a she does.
1: She does stuff. It just it just feels like we go right from oh here's Alfred's random niece and you know <laughs> some a few introductory scenes and she's motorcycle racing for whatever reason and oh, now see that's
0: where the movie drags. so Yeah, much, yeah. Dude. I mean
1: th- they have an explanation for it, but still it's just it's like. Cut it. I, they could out. have had a better origin for this version of Batgirl. I don't mind like when she was actually doing Batgirl shit. It was it was fine, but just getting there just felt forced as hell. In terms of it's trying to spend a more time, fucking with her.
0: waste of time. Actually, that and the bat nipples are the worst thing about the movie.
1: Like I, I feel like, look, you think the nipples f- are worse than this than in Forever?
0: Uh, no, they're the same, same (laughs) level of badness, but like, if you're picking the worst things for this movie out of all categories, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but it's, yeah, I I just feel like those filler shots, those filler scenes are just so much. It's like a good 25 minutes in the middle, 30 minutes. Like, dude, this is a kid's movie, man. Make an 80, 80 minute movie. Who cares? Cut out all that bullshit. Yeah make an 80 85 minute batman movie we'll love you for it like this is i just felt like that was just so i mean fucking long
1: mask of the phantasm is my favorite and that's less than 85 minutes there you go <laughs> so, cut out all the bullshit
0: <laughs> seriously i think that's the one of the
1: Anyway, yeah, Yeah, story economy is what the writers of Batman and Mask of the Phantasm have over any of these live-action movies. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, Batgirl is kind of less of an adaptation of Barbara Gordon, even though she is called Barbara and has the whole oracle foreshadowing, but there is a niece of Alfred's in the comics named Daphne, who kind of has a sort of flirtation with... Dick Grayson. Daphne in the Pennyworth. Daphne Pennyworth. And she is English in the uh, in the comic book. But uh. and but she's also the daughter of Wilfred Pennyworth. So Wilfred, being Alfred's brother, is a... Uh, Wilfred is actually a character in the comic. This comics. is a
0: deep cut question, but is there is there a particular town or city that Alfred's from? Is it London?
1: Uh, it's assumed that he's from London, England, yeah. Okay. All right. But obviously, we've heard different accents for Alfred... Starting with Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. Well, I
0: don't know. If you're a British, listening to this, Michael please. Oh, I, I guess we could Google where <laughs> Michael Caine's from. I guess. I don't know. I don't know what accent that is.
1: I I thought. Have you seen Pennyworth yet?
0: Actually, have not.
1: I thought when I was watching it that the actor was putting on a Michael Caine impression until I saw an interview with him and realized that's his actual voice.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it's actually decent so my casting. My name is Alfred Pennyworth. and I'm very, like. He's very totally quickly, Penny Penny yeah. what's is that? Is that a good show or not?
1: I like it. I wish that it had more elements of Alfred's background from the comics. Okay. Uh, whether it's Wilfred, whether it's uh, a different connection to the Thomas Wayne, like sometimes it's the dad. There's a really cool... Uh, we're going way off tangent here, but I I, I have to say this. My favorite <laughs> origin... There's a great origin where Alfred uh, is a spy, obviously, and he's helping out on a mission. Um that sometimes it involves some like old school golden age characters, okay. old school, school golden age villains. So like, there's a there's some sort of Valkyrie character who used to fight the JSA. There's Vandal Savage there because he's a fucking immortal dude. Oh shit. Uh, anyways, he has to use his acting skills uh, to go undercover uh, and pretend to be a servant in this place so that he can help out with assassination. So they kind of all ties in his different skills, whether it's the acting or being a spy or being a butler, okay. right? But he's given his superior guy gives him a uh, a coin and it's a penny and he says there's a cyanide you know Alfred guesses that there's a cyanide pill in it and the boss just says um, you know it's all your life will be worth uh, so keep it on you so at one point Alfred gets captured and he thinks this is the end and he opens the penny but instead of a cyanide pill it's something that actually helps him escape oh shit Uh, and so he leaves. And uh, at the end, he's being hunted by the war criminal who is, you know, he's out to get the butler dude who sabotaged him and everything. Okay. So they said, we have to retire you. You have to find, uh, you know, some sort of cover. And so Alfred goes to Gotham uh, and goes to the front door of Thomas Martha Wayne. And he goes by the name. Hi, my name is Alfred Pennyworth. Okay, so because of the penny,
0: we don't know what his actual name is. Then,
1: I mean, they say that his name is Alfred Beagle, which is the original name of Alfred. Oh, in the yeah,
0: comic. that's right. Yes, so they're
1: going with the idea that maybe that was his real name. So they
0: really, they really seem to understand Alfred lore. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> oh my god. So that's god. my favorite
1: version in the comic. I wish they, they, there's no version of that in the actual Pennyworth TV show because he's clearly already named Pennyworth. Uh, in that and he's not really a spy yet he just fought the war okay it's unclear whether or not this actually is a prequel to the Gotham version I, I don't know but uh, I, I liked it I just saw the first episode I haven't watched all the second one yet okay uh, but it's it's decent uh, but uh, I probably would have gone in a different direction of it but whatever Hmm. Anyway. Back to Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. What were we
0: talking about again? Oh, yeah, Uh, Batgirl.
1: Batgirl. I don't know if there's anything else that you have to add to
0: that. Uh, Let's talk about the suit because it's obviously important. Um, She has a couple costume changes. Um, Not great. They're they're all okay. (laughs) I mean, I think they get worse as they go on. (laughs) Her first one's the best.
1: It's weird that she doesn't have a – like, she almost looks closer to the original Batgirl, actually, which wasn't Barbara Gordon. It was Betty Kane. Right. It was Batgirl with a hyphen, in it, and she just had a mask. She didn't have a cowl on. It was Barbara Gordon who had the cowl, so uh, she kind of has a mix of both. Because at one point she does have the Barbara Gordon type cowl, and they flat on do the shot from the '60s show of her being on the motorcycle.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that I did not notice as a kid because I actually didn't watch a whole lot of uh, uh, Bill, Joe's, or Batman right. as a kid. I watched it later on in life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. She's fine. It's just she's just so thrown in there.
1: Yeah. So it's just. Whatever, uh, let's talk a bit about Robin, who had your favorite costume. Then,
0: for some reason, the uh, how do I say this? The design as a whole works, right? Uh, this suit-wise, um, yeah, it makes the most sense, even more than Batman to me. And I know they're like really like playing off of, uh, you know, Nightwing's design. It's kind of like, uh, well, like a red Nightwing-looking design is, on a yeah. suit there, which is. Just pretty cool I think. Um Chris O'Donnell's good again. I think he's actually kind of a decent Robin. It's decent casting. He he channels Burt Ward, Ward enough, does his own thing when he needs to. Um some you know, comes off as overly whiny or stupid in this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. He's kind of an idiot in this movie. But,
0: you know, it's like Chris O'Donnell's just doing the best he can um, with the material. Yeah. He just has a '90s ass face. Like, there's—he looks like fucking Rob Thomas from fucking uh Matchbox Twenty, dude. Like, you know, like there's something about his whole overall look. Like, it just—god, even his bone structure looks '90s. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's decent enough. Uh, I don't know. It's fine. He, what do he do story-wise again? I know we just watched the movie, but like. <laughs> 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 remember him fucking whining and shit, and I being mean, being in love, being a dumbass. The arc being in love was with
1: that like he, Bruce can't. He and Bruce are close to a falling out because they feel like they can't trust each other. Yeah, Connor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce yeah. is always overly protective of him. Robin wishes that he took the training wheels off of him. And Bruce, through what's going on with Alfred, decides to embrace family more, embrace trust more, and everything. And uh, that's why at the end, Robin's like, "You weren't there to help catch me," and things like that. Batman's like, "Well, you know, I knew you would be able to take care of it." That's like, that's the way that they went about their arc. That's a
0: decent, this. it's a decent arc, I think.
1: It's it's, de- it's the, good again, enough. The Batman and Robin story, uh, specifically those characters, not the Batman and Robin movie story, but I mean the Batman and Robin specific story characters, just like in Batman Forever, are probably one of the better things about this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of an arc yeah. and everything, if, if it's only really. Uh, superseded by the Bruce and Alfred story and the Bruce and Alfred scenes.
0: Yes, yeah. I guess we'll get to that when we get to we're, Batman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: we're we're about to get there. But one thing, okay. one interesting trivia for you in the original script, because I didn't I didn't read the full script, just to give you guys a heads up. I know we usually do a deep dive into the original scripts, but that unfortunately that kind of has to end after Batman forever because afterwards everything else was pretty much the same, uh, from yeah. the first draft to. Uh, to movie, so we'll do a very different type of deep dive. Pumped this one out as yeah. soon as I could, man. <laughs> uh, but in that one, uh, the original beginning wasn't the Superman thing where Bruce is like, yeah, "This is why Superman works alone." Originally, he comes out in the costume, and Batman's like, "Okay, what are we calling ourselves this time?" And Dick says, "Nightwing, Scourge oh, shit. of Evil." And Alfred says, "Good luck, Mr. Wing." <laughs> and so he was calling himself Nightwing. I think they cut it because they're like the movie's called Batman and Robin. Why is Robin co- Robin calling himself a different name right off the start? Are he supposed to change to Nightwing immediately? He was going to be called Nightwing in the very beginning. He would want to be called Nightwing because remember he does, uh, flaunt that name or pitch that name in the Batcave in Batman. Forever. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think they want because like Chris O'Donnell is obviously at this point. Even in Batman Forever, uh, forty-five years old. At forty-five years old, <laughs> sorry, Chris, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Blame Kevin Smith for that. Um, oh, you heard on Kevin Smith already. <laughs> Chris Come on. is, Chris is already at Nightwing age before he even started in the tights. You know, he, like I think it made sense to already put him in the Nightwing role. Also, like, but, it,
0: it, I yeah. mean, they could have done it. Obviously, you could do anything. But aside from even the name of the movie, you're going, you're you're being heavily based off of. Uh, uh, sixty six Batman. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's just like, how are you gonna do a sixty six version of Nightwing? It's just a little odd.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that was originally in there. So, uh, let's now jump to the other man himself, the Batman. <laughs> uh, George Clooney. Uh, yeah. Your verdict on Clooney?
0: You know, he's okay. Mm-hmm. Um. He definitely like I think he's obviously got the acting chops. It's just obviously he wasn't like given enough to do and there's more than I remember. There's some scenes where he just it, it, he does come off as kind of natural. To me there's almost it seems like I don't know how to say this. Bruce Wayne his Bruce Wayne is like seems like non-existent even though we see him a little bit here and there. I don't know. It's just like doesn't have much presence.
1: Right. Um I think part of it is he does, he plays both Bruce Wayne and Batman the same exact way. He
0: didn't change it at all, he huh? It doesn't feel
1: like he changed it at all. Like think about George Clooney's Batman voice. It's basically George Clooney. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you're right. You're right. I kind of wish cuz I feel like Clooney could have been a good a better Batman you know, with better material better direction uh, better direction I'd like to see the Michael Clayton George Clooney in uh, you know the the cowl you know yeah. I'm not the guy yeah. you kill I'm the guy you buy yeah uh, type of Clooney so is he the weakest of the Batman actors from the 90s yes but like it's not to the point where it's a it's not necessarily a terrible performance there are times where he is kind of really flat or it doesn't seem like he's really flat
0: is a word I was looking for yeah, yeah. like he, yeah. he
1: he doesn't really put as much into it, but the scenes with Alfred, yeah, he acts in that. The scene at the end with yeah. Freeze, he's acting in that. He's arguably more Batman-like to me in uh, those scenes with um, either Alfred or talking to Dick Grayson about trust and stuff. Yeah, He's arguably more Batman to me w- w- in those scenes when he's Bruce than he yeah. was actually in the cowl. Right. So right. that was kind of a weird thing to see because I'd never really experienced that before and I wasn't expecting that. So uh just to give you guys a preview then yeah ranking wise I feel like he's at the, he's at the bottom of the 3 Main actors so far of the Batman. Yeah, he's
0: kind of at the bottom. Yeah, for sure. But the thing it's not is, completely his fault. not quite as bad as I remember. Though. Exactly. In yeah. our in our in our memory, I, I would say both of us probably in the similar place where we just remember it being so extremely atrocious. <laughs> right. And it's not quite that level.
1: I think we remember it being atrocious because everyone else said it was atrocious. Yeah. I don't think either of us really felt it was that bad. I think we just felt like, oh, all right. Like, yeah, you know, thing, yeah, were yeah, more yeah. just ambivalent towards it. We weren't really we didn't hate it. We just kind of thought we hated it because the rest of the Internet said so. And at the, the, time. The, the 90s Internet AOL, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> AOL told us to think so. But like AOL's 90s Internet didn't talk about how beautiful these Alfred scenes are. So let's go into that for a bit. OK, like, holy we're, shit.
0: We're talking about some of the deepest dialogue. It could it, it could have been in Nolan's movie. People I mean, no one wants to watch this movie anymore, so I get it. <laughs> So people forget, but there's an exchange about how Batman tries to fight death. Yes, tries to suppress it or whatever. I forget the exact lines, but there is so much depth to what this Batman, dialogue.
1: But in an attempt to you know fight back death itself, like it is, that is the core of the character. That is one of the best. You know, Alkima Goldsman has done a lot wrong, but that is probably one of the best sentences to sum up the character. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. uh, Is that line of dialogue that exchange? I remember, you know, just a few minutes, you know, just an hour ago or so when we were watching that. When we were watching that scene, we were floored by like, what is the scene doing in this movie?
0: It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. Like this is, I again, I wish that this was Heart of Ice feature film with this subplot kept in with those scenes. Yeah,
0: because also his whole yeah, his being sick connects with that. Yeah, it's it's so. That part's written so well. Well, so really the idea
1: is. of Alfred dying and the role reversal of now Bruce has to take care of Alfred and the guy who used to take care of him is yeah, right. the one. Like, right, 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 kind right, of right, saw, right. Just like, you know, the emotions that you felt when you saw Hugh Jackman having to take care of Patrick Stewart and Logan? Right. That type of thing. It's just, you flip that on its head and you just, you just can't help but feel like, oh, damn, like there's a finality. How about coming.
0: this, too? I just thought of this spitball on again. Yeah. But Alfred's sick he doesn't want to hire any fucking maids to take care of him he starts to take care of himself Himself. this leads uh, more time Robin's got to act more on his own dude you mm. know what I mean like that it'll, it could play into Robin's arc too
1: it could yeah yeah It's like the, the, there was enough material honestly for Alfred dying and Mr. Freeze is out there yeah and then maybe you can add in like Alfred's niece but don't make her Batgirl yet
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, just yeah.
1: her to tie into like someone else from Alfred's past, maybe.
0: Robin's got to go out alone for a couple nights. Yeah, and then maybe we get like, oh fuck, I really need somebody out there with me, man. Like, and and he's like, well, then again, I, it would be ki- it would kind of suck to have such an inactive Batman for such a long. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: he would be helping it like, but you can still have the, the tie in of like losing someone, not wanting to lose someone you love, and that's exactly what he and Victor are going through in this in. The story,
0: right, right, right.
1: Victor right. doesn't want to lose his wife. Wife, uh, Batman doesn't want to lose Alfred. Like exactly. that's enough
0: like, for a movie. It works. It works. It, it works. You
1: don't need poison ivy. You don't need Bane being a dumbass. You don't really need Batgirl. The, the only purpose you really played was being Alfred's niece and and showing more of Alfred. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it, it was you know we were floored. I remember thinking that the Alfred scenes were something else when I, I rewatched some of them a while back. But uh, in this context, it just, they just jump out at you.
0: It's just such depth to an otherwise pretty yeah. surface-level movie, you know? Yeah, and it, it it's is crazy.
1: It's a shame that out of all these four movies, Michael Goff gets to find, gets to shine more as Alfred in this yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. He's, I mean, he's when I was so a kid, much, dude, yeah. I don't... Because this one, I tried to forget, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so I didn't really remember, like, Alfred as, like, a real character. Mm-hmm. When I saw Batman Begins and, of course, Dark Knight, the whole trilogy, It was like I was like, oh, Alfred's, like, a real character yeah, yeah. in this. You know what I mean? Yeah, he and Gordon. Yeah. So, yeah, and Gordon, Gordon as well. Yeah, well, well definitely Gordon. Gordon, especially. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess seeing this is like, oh, yeah, that, I guess Alfred was a character even in this.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, quick things about uh, Batman on here. So, earlier we were watching, Andrew was like, why didn't they bring Kilmer back in this? Yeah, okay. I'm surprised I so didn't ask this earlier. This is a, there's a bit of conflicting stories on this. So, if you watch the featurette, uh, it said that the uh, studio really wanted to go ahead and do Batman and Robin immediately. Uh, keep in mind, Batman Forever was 1995. Batman and Robin was 97. So this is right back to Batman. This is this, he goes right into this right and right at into the time it. Val Kilmer signed on to do the Saint. Oh yeah, which people love
0: that movie.
1: Yeah, um, and he just wasn't available for it, and Warner Brothers was not did not want to uh, go ahead uh, or and like delay the movie. Just for Val Kilmer, because they're just like, we already replaced Batman before, we can replace him again.
0: So Kilmer maybe wanted to do it, but he was just attached to the same.
1: There's a there's a debate on that. So in the featurette, it says that Kilmer wanted to do it, but uh the scheduling didn't work out. Later on, there's been a Hollywood Reporter um interview where Schumacher says, quote, Batman Forever, when we were on the world tour, it just really went to his head. I'm not going to get into that. He wanted to do Island of Dr. Moreau because Marlon Brando was going to be in it, so he dropped us at the 11th hour. Oh, so he was
0: attached at the last second to to be Batman and Robin.
1: So Schumacher is conflicting. So the featurette makes it seem like Kilmer wanted to come back, but uh, scheduling didn't work out. And then Schumacher now is making it sound like they wanted him back, but Kilmer didn't want to come back because he'd rather do a Marlon Brando movie that is panned as one of the worst movies of all time, <laughs> as well as yeah, The Saint. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, it's, it's the Saint ambiguous. badly
0: reviewed? I remember people liking that. I, I, heard, seen, it, I heard it. I haven't seen terrible it so long. Okay. I don't yeah.
1: know, I didn't see it. But uh, So, the search went on. Schumacher had to find yet another Batman. And funny enough, uh, one of the people he met for it was one of his previous choices, and that was poor Billy Baldwin. <laughs> Billy Baldwin said, quote, uh, Schumacher told me you were on my original shortlist with those three other actors those three actors, other actors being Ray Fiennes Daniel J. Lewis and Val Kilmer but the studio went with Val this time I'd like to go with you and that Friday afternoon I thought I was playing Batman and then Monday morning the headlines in the trade said George Clooney had gotten the part.
0: Oh my god that sucks man.
1: Well Baldwin finally got his chance to play the role in Justice League Crisis on toothers I know it's not as big as being on <laughs> a, a, a in a live action Batman movie but honestly I think Baldwin dodged a bullet because like Clooney had the career that he could survive Batman and Robin. Billy Baldwin, I'm like, uh, eh, like I, I in an alternate future where he got the role and but was he in was, this movie. Is,
0: I mean, no offense, more higher than I am in my life, but yeah. like. He was such a low level. I know, like, You know what I mean. He it, it would have Actually, would have been in a boost, even if it was a flop. Would it be
1: even if it was a flop? It would be like, ha, huh, you're the guy who like destroyed Batman. Like that's the only thing that everyone knows you for. Like George Clooney is known for so many other things. I guess before you're right. and I after you're Batman right. and Robin that he he could survive that. So I've
0: heard that Clooney keeps a poster of this movie in his office to remind himself to not do anything for money ever again.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not surprised by it. Again, like. There are times where it feels like he's just phoning it in and there are times where he actually plays it really well. So I don't really know uh, you know, if he did put more of his heart into it, uh, then you know, it it probably would have turned out better. But as of now, I gotta rank this I think we both agree that we're ranking him below Keaton Kilmer and ranking this movie below. Lowest, the others. but
0: not like crazy, atrocious
1: low. Yeah, yeah You know, it's he's the lowest, we, we but would, it's still
0: like I don't know. He's,
1: he's the, the weakest thi- of the lot, but he's not the worst, worst, worst terrible batman
0: yeah 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 like the the over you want to do like overall thoughts
1: i mean before i jump into that i was like i was going to bring up one more thing uh the characterization of batman in this movie yeah for something that gets panned uh for being like this is the bastardation of batman Batman is smart as fuck in this movie.
0: He knows everything, right?
1: He figures out Alfred's dying. He figures out Poison Ivy's real identity. Yeah, yeah. There's no point where anybody's ahead of him.
0: Smartest guy in the room every he's time. Only,
1: he is the smartest guy. That's why Clooney comes off as uh, more Batman-like when he's Bruce in those scenes when he has those reveal scenes. Right, right, right. Because he knows certain things that's or he true. has strategies and the whole like not trusting people yeah uh, loner thing not really Im- able to embrace family that's classic bat god justice league batman type stuff right 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 so it's really tough for me to look back and remember the time of the internet being like this is the worst representation of batman I'm like this is a better representation of batman the character than batman 89 and batman returns because <laughs> he was it never is. like that in either one of those this guy is Sharper than the Keaton version, and on yeah. top of that, Clooney is the only Batman, live action wise so far. If we're excluding anybody before Keaton, who doesn't kill anybody.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Keaton killed Kilmer killed Two Face at the end of Batman Forever. Otherwise, he would, and you could argue whether or not he was responsible for Two Face's the death of Two Face's thugs when he fired that missile launcher. But pretty much was Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> Clooney leaves no body count whatsoever. He saves the scientists. Uh, you could argue Bane died, but that's not really. He, he didn't. He wasn't involved in that. They sort of leave background. him
0: on the floor. Yeah, which I—that's the only thing. Yeah, but I mean, that, that's the shit not is exploding. But the thing is, that's he, not was not so, Batman's. he was smaller and easier to carry.
1: I'm yeah. playing devil's advocate here, right? But that's not Batman's fault because Batman wasn't even near close. That's to where true. That was. that was Robin's fault.
0: That's true. But you think they could have picked him up as they left that room? I think
1: Robin and Batgirl could have done that, yeah. Yeah. Robin and Batgirl could have done that. Uh, but I don't lay that at the Clooney Batman's feet because of okay. the fact that he wasn't anywhere close to that. So, oh, that's
0: true. Okay, yeah. So we so they have Bane's death on their hands. They have been, yeah, I, I blame that on Robin
1: and Batgirl. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Clooney Batman characterization-wise is pretty much dead on. It's it's not super interesting. There's not a ton of exploration, but it's better exploration and better representation than either of the Burton movies. So,
0: I mean, how he treats f- Freeze at the end is
1: That was perfect.
0: Amazing. I think that's great. The way he treats Freeze and like you, like we both said with
1: Alfred, it's
0: it's it's excellent. I mean, it really is. Yeah.
1: So, it, it's that that's Again, that surprised me. The the freeze scene—it feel, it feels like this campy movie stops, and we actually get a legit scene between Batman and Freeze.
0: Ex- yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, exactly. Clooney
1: and Arnold play that scene really well. So, like, I wish there was more of that in this.
0: I, my mom took us to see this movie. As I, you know, I said in the last one where I ran to the theater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I remember my mom also saying something like she didn't like she did, actually didn't like the Nora storyline or something, but it's. Deep in my memory, I don't know what I don't know why she thought that, but yeah, I was like, oh, "Mom, Heart of Ice, come on, you mom, don't watch it." You don't know about Nora,
1: <laughs> Nora, Nora. All right, overall thoughts.
0: Um, yeah, like I said before, not atrociously bad. Actually, I gotta say the action scenes, the zany action scenes, were, are entertaining
1: as fuck. Again, like this Batman is a better. Again, he feels like a better fighter. Than the be- Keaton one. better
0: fighter a lot more wire work i don't think we said that on air he's more of an
1: acrobat like, yeah yeah maybe he's learned a few things from dick grayson i'm reading i'm way, reading way much into it but like it, if, if there's a story explanation at all that could be one
0: the, the 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 ice hockey fight scene in the beginning is really a lot of fun in my opinion mm-hmm. it's ridiculous of course but that's what this movie is mm-hmm. um all the all the action scenes are actually kind of fun shit man it's just it's just that part in the middle that drags like crazy right yeah I don't i hate that part actually it's just so <laughs> it, it's so unnecessary we were both on our phones at that point we're we like, were okay, both fine. the, the yeah, phones man. were out man the <laughs> phones were out um and then it ends kind of strong with freeze like we said so yeah um yeah i mean look it's i had a good time it's yeah. fine um Obviously, the worst one of the '90s, but it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's almost like it, it's better to just call it the weakest one because it's the weakest. weakest by default. The but it's not, it, this is not the worst movie ever made. Like, come on, there's killing worse the
0: comic book movie genre entirely until Blade came out. That's what they say.
1: Blade came out like a year later. Okay, I guess Blade <laughs> like, was still. <laughs> going. But they
0: were. <laughs> I remember people saying like Blade kind of saved it. I guess a year later, it saved it. it, but it was rated R too, so kind of a different vibe. But I guess it was like a horror. But I mean, thing, but
1: like, look what it led to. Like, it, it's it didn't kill. It I mean, X Men really came
0: out in 2000, two years after that.
1: Yeah, like uh, Batman and Robin didn't kill anything. This is
0: steady stream since this, this came out. This is a movie probably. that
1: gets too much of a bad rap. Is it great? No, but like, it's a fine representation of the different characters in the lens of a nineteen sixties type Batman. Batman show and it holds up better now than it probably did back then because of the fact that we're more used to different representations of the character and all that I wish that it was a different type of movie I wish that it was more focused on the scenes that we did enjoy a lot with Alfred and Mr. Freeze but it's not a terrible one and there are scenes that are worth rewatching. watching again uh, part of me does kind of wish that Kilmer came back for this because I, I, I uh, kind of would have sensed more of the history between him and Chris O'Donnell's Robin a lot better yeah uh, but maybe he dodged a bullet in this one. Who knows? Uh, it's because it does seem like Clooney, out of those actors, probably was the main one, even though, yes, he did become known as like the guy who killed the Batman franchise, but like Clooney's stardom, he's the only one out of those guys who could have really survived that. So right. I'm fine with that. Uh, and Clooney has nice moments as Batman. He's not terrible. He's the weakest one, but he's not terrible in the role. And um, he, hey, he has hell of a chin for that cowl. So overall, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, it's not the most—it's not the worst one, but it's not like there's a lot of hidden gem stuff in this. It's not like this is secretly a great movie either. So overall, it's just okay. But I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd wish that—I uh, I, kind of wish that there was less hyperbole now about this movie, about it being like terrible and the worst thing, because it—it's really not. And uh, if you just want some like turn off your brain, entertaining comedy of a Batman thing, then this is it.
0: I mean, my dad when the '89 one came out and and Batman Returns, I remember him saying like it's too dark, it's too dark. Because what do you my think dad, of this one? <laughs> my I don't I actually don't know if he even saw these. <laughs> he probably needs to see him though, because like it, my dad was born in '57, so he was nine whenever 66 came out he was the perfect age he grew up with that series oh, yeah. so that's his batman through and through he loves adam west and so i feel like for someone like my dad like they probably like three and four forever in batman and robin more than than even the keaton ones mm. it's wild but you and know that that exists you know
1: i mean as i, as I said full statement but schumacher understood batman's character better than burton
0: I think you're right, and I think it's because Burton doesn't give a fuck about Batman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a hot take, everybody? Oh, Listening in man. It yeah. doesn't mean that we hate 89 in Returns. just means that representing the character could have done way better and could have given Keaton a lot better material.
0: I mean, his uh, his arc director. I mean, yeah, his movies were actually better, but just, it's weird. It's, yeah, weird, it's weird how weird. happens.
1: Batman has an arc in, uh, in both movies. That's true. Keaton's
0: not so much. He just has a fucking art direction.
1: He just has the art direction and, you know, his two lines to, to say, and that's it.
0: Anything else to say before we head out of here?
1: Uh, Let's see. What's coming up is, all right, we are out of the 90s, but don't think that we're just going on a nostalgia trip. We are going to jump into the Nolan movies, but we might take a few detours along the way. You guys will just have to uh, tune in and see. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody, this has been yet another installment of the Superhouse Podcast. Uh, check us out on Patreon. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash Superhouse Podcast. We have just a dollar tier on there. Please give us some money. And, uh, you know, we're on all the social media. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. And Ben is
1: uh, Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram, and uh, I've also been curating the uh, Superhouse Podcast Instagram. You guys can check that out to see all the stuff that you can't see when you listen to this audio. Yeah,
0: the Facebook is like all of us, even Maddie, if you remember them. Uh, Maddie and Stefan on Facebook and stuff, and then uh, Ben and I, mostly Ben these days, handle the Instagram, and uh, I think that's it for now. Um, yeah, check out uh, what's What's to Come. And that's it. Signing off.
1: Ben signing off.